0: Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 12th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8pm on community radio station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. As one member of a Rotary Radio team that presents this show every Friday evening between 6 and 8pm, it's a great pleasure to welcome, this time to the other side of the 94.1 FM 3WBC microphone, the head of our Rotary Radio show team, our boss, David Proud. David is a member of the Rotary Club of Canterbury is passionate about communicating the good things Rotary does in the world both locally and internationally. He is also dedicated to this Rotary Radio Show on 94.1 FM 3WBC and this really is a good opportunity to find out about David personally and the history of the Rotary
1: Radio Show. Well, thank you for that, that Ian. Uh, very strange to be the other side of the
0: microphone. Well, a great welcome to you, David Proud, and it's very strange for me to be interviewing you (laughs) because, as you know, we're both usually on the one side of the desk talking to our Rotary guests. David, uh, before we talk about your current work in Rotary, let's, uh, as I said a moment ago, find out about you. How long have you been a member of Rotary for? Uh,
1: Well, I joined uh, Canterbury Rotary as a charter member, uh, and we're coming up for our 30th anniversary in April, so that means 30 years in Canterbury Rotary. But that was my third service club, not my first. So, my first service club was a wonderful organisation called Round Table in the UK. It's very analogous in many ways to Apex in Australia. So, I was moved from London to Bristol. And uh, one of the guys that's in uh, our sort of area said, Oh, you have to join Round Table in Porty's Head. Now, Porty's Head was a little village on the uh, bottom side of the Avon River as it went into the Bristol Channel. How quaint! It, a very quaint. Uh, all the high street is made of the local brick, or mm-hmm. s- not brick, stone. Uh, and it's got a wonderful atmosphere. Now, the holiday atmosphere was shattered when they put the M5 bridge over. (laughs) So, Portishead became a sort of dormitory suburb uh, suburb for Bristol. So, uh, that was good. Uh, So, I was there with them for about five, six years. Came back to Australia and uh, they said, oh, yeah, you should join um, Apex. So, for two years I joined Apex and we had the national president of Apex in our club which was the uh, Apex Club of Doncaster and then uh, uh, I got more than over the age of 40 kicked me out and then I was wondering what to do and then suddenly one uh, night there was a knock on the door and a guy I've never seen before said would you like to join Rotary and I was stunned amazement invited him in and lo and behold uh we were being fostered as a new club from the Rotary Club of Ballan. Just going back to that
0: comment you made about Apex, there is a an age limit on Apex, whereas in Rotary there is no age limit. You Tell can start uh, as an early actor and you can finish as a um, a senior.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, that was one of the things with the Round Table. They had a, just like Apex, because they're a, a member of the same international organisation and um, they kicked you out when you were 40. Uh, But one of the things I liked about the Round Table, it was four clubs, not one. The men went to Round Table until they were 40. The women uh, went to Ladies Circle. So that meant there was never any babysitting problems, because we met every two weeks. (laughs) And then when you uh, got to 40, you were kicked out into 41 Club for Men and Tangent for Ladies. So they had a network of clubs that seemed to work very well. But Apex was more
0: uh, circumscribed, obviously. Oh oh, yes,
1: entirely, uh, much more, yeah.
0: Well, after you you got that knock on the door uh, (laughs) and a request to join Rotary, or an invitation to join Rotary, what was the the real motivation for you doing so?
1: I guess uh, I'd like being in two other service clubs. And I felt that I, I needed uh, something like a service club, so uh, we started off with about forty members, and uh, we clicked very well, and we were considered the fun club of District Nine Eight for many many years. Uh, some of our district governors used to like coming to our meetings.
0: This is the Rotary Club of Canterbury. Yes. I was speaking of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: I should have got that thing. Shouldn't I? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and over that time. I've held just about every office other than treasurer. Uh, I think I was sergeant three times, uh, director about four or five times, president for for one year. I've done most of the roles. Well, how would you describe that lovely Rotary
0: Club of Canterbury that you're in? Um, What's the soul of the place, David? Oh,
1: I think... uh, Trying to put it in a couple of words... uh, Fun, fellowship, and more fun. When we're all pretty young together, and regrettably we've, a lot of us have grown up, because we've still got about a third of our members are still charter members, uh, Yeah, we've we considered the fun club of 9800 for many, many years.
0: But I know you do things, and we'll ask about that in one moment. How many members does
1: the Rotary Club uh, of Canterbury We've have? had between about 45 and 35 over our 30-year history. Uh, it's gone up a bit and down a bit, uh, but we've stayed constant because uh, Canterbury is where people live rather than where they work. It means it's a dormitory sort of suburb, so a lot of people get moved for business and uh, you know they move on and move elsewhere. So it's always we've always had a bit of a throughput uh, through our club, but that's the nature of where we are and. The sort of people we have. So it changes its complexion. It, it does change over 10 years. It, it, it does change. When I consider when we're all young and silly, we're not young and silly anymore. So we've become a bit more sedate, uh, but not as not totally sedate. We still have a lot of fun,
0: but still passionate Rotarians. nevertheless.
1: Oh, ab- absolutely.
0: And what about the gender mix, David? Is it is it getting more um, balanced?
1: It, it is. We were one of the first clubs in the district to actually have female members. Uh, It was a husband and wife were the first one. Big tick for that. Yeah, uh, they were the first. And then we had a very early female president. Mm -hmm. And her name will come up uh, a bit later as we talk about something else. At the moment, I'd say we've got about a third female uh, to two-thirds male. But having said that, I haven't looked at the the numbers and done the the mathematics Mm -hmm. of it. But we've certainly always been very welcome uh, for women to join our club.
0: Now, just tell me, where and when do they meet, David?
1: Okay. Uh, we meet in the Care Centre, which is 2 Rochester Road, very close to the Canterbury uh, Railway Station. And we meet on a Monday, 6 for 6.30. Uh, when do we finish? Well, that could be anything up to 9.30, because. Once the meeting's over, there tends to be people hang around and talk and carry on a bit. So Some great camaraderie. Uh, Absolutely. It's been one of the things we've been famous for.
0: And David, like all Rotary Clubs, uh, members come from different walks of life. Uh, In your club, uh, do you have a good cross-section of people and
1: professions? Uh, The short answer is yes. We seem to have accountants and bankers and solicitors have been, uh, if you like, the, the high number of people that have been in our club. But having said that, I think we've got a pretty Catholic mixture. It has The composition has changed over the 30 years, but that's, I think, to be expected of the uh, people that have come to live in the Canterbury area.
0: And David, um, all clubs have wonderful community and then international yeah. projects. Just uh, give us an example of... Two signature projects from your club, first in the, the local community and then perhaps internationally.
1: Well, can I start with the international first? Yes, you can. I mentioned our female president, uh, a wonderful lady called Jill Keith, who works for the World Health Organisation and is attached to Melbourne University Orthomic School. Uh, she was very much involved in denting, inventing a language non-specific eye test. Uh, this eye test is like E, but in different orientations and sizes. Uh, I was on the third medical mission we went to uh, Negros in the Philippines. And the way it works is, uh, you have an interpreter uh, because a lot of the people we were dealing didn't uh, speak English. And they have to indicate uh, whether the, the E's up, down, sideways or whatever with their fingers. Now, uh, that simple test which is a little bored about two-thirds of A4, uh, you can mainly pick up things like cataracts, uh, which is the primary reason it's been developed. But as well as that, uh, vision difficulties can be anything from pteridiums to some of the more difficult uh, things. Now, uh, that has been uh, um, our signature project I'm pretty sure in saying I think it's 25 years this year and the team has gone and when I went up was six people two weren't Rotarians one wasn't a Rotarian it was a daughter of one of our Rotarians and we broke up into teams of uh, two teams of three and we traveled up and down Negros in conjunction with other Rotary clubs local Rotary clubs and uh, well, we saw nearly two thousand people in uh, four days so what a
0: wonderful effort that's the sort of things that rotarians do when exactly. they go overseas the the dedication and the effort that they make especially yeah. in countries that are not as fortunate as our own is quite outstanding
1: yeah and the fact that we did it all with local rotary clubs uh, so that made it very easy they set up all the facilities Yes, that, it, it always worked well. We always got a lot more people than we thought we were going to get. Uh, and that's why we were sometimes two hours late for luncheon, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, David, is there another international project that you'd care to mention before I ask you about
1: your local community projects? Not as big as that. We've had uh, some smaller one-off things. Like, I know we volunteered and people have gone and built huts in uh, sort of new hebrides and places like that. But that the uh, medical mission as we now call it, of course, uh, I should have explained, we do uh, eyes, but also ears, and occasionally teeth.
0: Goodness gracious, eye and, and ear and dental.
1: Yeah, so we're up to, 10, I think this year's team was 24 people. The uh, people that look after uh, the eyes tend to be uh, ophthalmic students from uh, La Trobe University, completing a three year degree but things like cataracts uh, and by the way we have have donated to the Rotary Club of Bacolod, uh, which is our sort of uh, sister club there two microscopes that can run off car batteries so now uh, rather than have people coming into Bacolod, which is a, a, a pretty big city the operations can be actually done in the field uh, so that's been a Tremendous uh, bonus to us, and of course, all the operations are done by local people who donate their time free to do the cataract operations.
0: That is just exemplary stuff, yeah, and typifies what Rotary is all about internationally. I, yep, now, David, tell us about your club's local projects, give us a flavour of what you're doing in the local community.
1: The, the one that's uh, taken off. Uh, basically in the last 12 months is a project called Busy Feet and this is where on a one-to-one basis with intellectually challenged uh, kids uh, they learn to do uh, dance and and this expression of really to get them involved and interacting with other people and that goes on for about two hours every week term time every week Uh, and that's turning into Uh, a huge success David
0: uh, has been heading this program up for some time and I'd like to have a little chat to David this evening about uh, the history of the radio show David how long has it been going for
1: well that's a very good question Ian Uh, and uh, it had a few false starts and I think I need to explain uh, a bit more of the background As a lot of these projects, it sort of comes out of something that you didn't expect this to be an outcome uh, of how it all came about. In the year that Brian Young was president, and that is a good 14 years ago now, president of Canterbury, president of Canterbury, he made a uh, largest donation ever made to the Vision Australia, which ran uh, a series of radio stations both AM and FM throughout Victoria and they were in the, uh, transiting to digital from analog so we gave them uh, quite a lot of money to help them buy the necessary digital equipment now we went and uh, saw their facilities and got uh, a bit of understanding of their operations and uh, I was uh, talking to Brian Yeo and said well why don't we explore having a, a radio show And that's how we started off. And by the time that uh, our next president had come along, Neil um, Williams, we clicked the idea and we had a series of meetings with them. We learnt, a little bit surprised, that Melbourne uh, Rotary Club had been recording their speakers and playing them back on their radio stations uh, on a Sunday afternoon, I think around five o'clock. That all didn't go very far. And quite fortuitously, uh, Neil Williams came across one of the presenters from 3WBC. He went and uh, did a couple of programs which I helped him in terms of um, what should be in and how they should structure half an hour. And that sort of didn't go very far. Of course, that particular gentleman moved on to other issues. And then lo and behold, uh, about nine months later, uh, an offer was come to do would well, we like to do a two hour show uh, every Friday from 6 till 8 pm? On 3WBC. Th-
0: and David, perhaps you'd better tell our listeners what 3WBC stands
1: for. Right. That's White Horse Burundara Radio.
0: Right Horse Burundara and the Sea Community.
1: Community Radio, yes. Right. The yeah. voice of the Inner East. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we started. Now. When we first started, which I reckon was probably a good 13 years ago, we weren't good at keeping records then Ian. uh We so <laughs> were relying on people's right. memory. And uh, the then uh, 3WBC signal was uh, coming out of a house that had been commu- uh, converted into a community house. Uh, so we were in the front room with a stack of CD players and panels and whatever. So in those days we only had one studio uh, in in the sort of front room and there we were for about four-ish, five-ish years until an offer came up from the Whitehorse Council and we now are neatly and very nicely set up in the uh, Whitehorse Council hub, aren't we?
0: We are and it's a a luxury to be in here
1: in Soundproof Studios where... We're recording We've got
0: now. Two, two, <laughs> two studios.
1: Two studios and a third practice one. So we are very good uh, facilities here.
0: And about what year was this, David, when uh, we moved into these wonderful studios? That'd roughly be a good
1: ten years ago. Ten so years ago. Yeah.
0: And David, uh, again, roughly, how many Rotarians would you estimate have been involved
1: with the show in terms of presenters or panel operators? Well in those days we didn't differentiate between uh, presenters and panel operators, you you were doing everything and basically it was about three of us, Uh, Brian Bloomer was one of the starting people, myself and of course Neil Williams who was president when we started off all those years ago. And was the
0: program a two-hour program then yes. on a Friday night? Yeah. So that's always been has a two. continued? Yeah. Six to eight on a Friday evening? Yeah,
1: and we tried to follow the format of 3WBC, and that is sort of music and interviews, rather than just two hours of chat, which I think would be a bit much for the listener to bear. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the sort of format we've had. I'd have to say I didn't like Brian Bloomer's choice of music. It was all a bit too rock and roll. But I think over the years we've had a good selection of music, so that's good. Well, I think we have to be
0: very moderate in our choice of music. I mean, I've been very tempted during the... Radio program to play some Al Bowley, who was a crooner from the 1940s, and I've uh, resisted that. (laughs) I've resisted that greatly, David. But I think the music is a good compilation, and you've been known to play some comedy on this station. Yes,
1: I must explain that. uh, I went to the UK on a working holiday, and 15 years later, I came back with a wife, two kids, and a mother in law. And um, while we were there, we were certainly entranced by a guy called Terry Wogan who was an Irish uh, lad from the South of Ireland era and he had a breakfast show that I think went from about 7 till 9.30 or something like that and he just had the gift of the gab and I remember uh, getting rid of spiders went on for about three months about all these people ringing up frisky Fiona from Frinton (laughs) I think that's all made up but as part of it He got involved, as well as getting involved with Eurovision, which he was the Eurovision champ for many, many years, a thing called BBC uh, Children in Need Fund. And I think last year it was well over £25 million they raised. Now, as part of that, uh, Terry Wogan got up together with a scriptwriter, whose name I've forgotten, and they had several goes. But the one that really struck oil... Was Janet and John, and it was a spoof on uh, the UK, and it turned out a Victorian first reader. You know, uh, Janet is going to take John to the city today. Do you like going to the city? <laughs>
0: there was always a there was always a double entendre. Oh, it? towards it's the slightly end. risque. It wasn't quite as simplistic as yeah, that. well, was I thought
1: though? that if it was all right for British breakfast radio, it must be all right, all right, right for 3WBC. WBC, yeah.
0: And, and you, you were quite right. Well, David, beside all the fun we have in, yeah. the, in the interludes, and we'll call yeah. it that, uh, the interviews, and the, the, which is the main structure yeah, of the yeah. program,
1: uh, what, what is the aim of those interviews? Two key aims. Uh, I've learnt more about Rotary, from being on the radio show that I would ever have learned just being in a Rotary Club at whatever level. Because it's amazing the the absolute myriad of Rotary activities and over the years we've had all sorts uh, on our show here. So I I see one of the things is we're we're there to educate Rotarians uh, to the breadth and depth of what Rotary is about. But the second thing is to publicise what Rotary does to non-Rotarians, the general public. I've had a my bonnet for the whole time I've been in Rotary, that Rotary is the world's worst as telling the rest of the world what Rotary does. So I see one of our missions uh, is to try and get in a chatty form, not hard sell, but just uh, people doing the various things, to expand the general audience in terms of what Rotary does, how it does, and especially the personalities within Rotary.
0: Importantly, David, to me as a fellow presenter working on your team, it does tell listeners, Rotarians and non-Rotarians out there, about the good things that are going on in this world. Yes. There is so much... Uh, Of news around at the moment that is bad news about people and about accidents and terrorist attacks and what's happening in Melbourne a few weeks ago which was just dreadful. Rotary really does talk about the good news and Uh, uh, the good things in life and you certainly go away, I find, from the program after talking to people or hearing people on a pre-recorded interview feeling good about the world.
1: Yeah, Uh, and that's right. Uh, The media in Australia has become negative focused and dramatised you know, amazing accident happened and you know all sorts of
0: well they're reporting the news I suppose but the faithful reporting of the news is not always nice news
1: No, and
0: right. Rotary and what it does in the world gives you that yeah. feeling uh, of joy and putting back into the world instead of yeah. taking out as a lot of people do today yeah. David, um, um, we've talked about the selection of music what, who are some of the, the guests that you can recall being on the show that our listeners
1: might be well oh, aware oh, of the them? one that derived a, a, an interview I didn't expect to have and that was Bob Glinderman uh, I think he's with uh, Melbourne is he uh, he's with
0: the Rotary Club of
1: Melbourne yes yeah. and
0: D.I.K. which donations well, we had him in
1: right? to talk about or I had him in to talk about D.I.K. and he mentioned the East Timor Roofing Company and I thought, now, what's this all about? So after we'd spoken about D.I.K., got got into the next sort of 10 minutes, talk about the East or Roofing Company. And I thought, if ever there was an example of a good starting from nothing, uh, and this uh, is a group of people that took on second-hand equipment that was sort of fashioning corrugated iron or, or, or iron sheets, and they're turning out now water bottles, water tanks, as well as roofing. And I think it's also providing employment for about 30 plus people. And that means villages are being sustained all out of something that's come from uh, crimping, if that's the right word, uh, corrugated iron type material. And I thought that was really fantastic.
0: It's so practical, the outcome. Yes. Rotary doing good in the world, providing employment. And so importantly for Rotary, having a sustainable activity. It's not a matter of going in, doing a quick flip of a project, but it's a matter of that being something that the community can be encouraged by, can earn income from. That's a good key point of Rotary,
1: isn't it? Absolutely. And the second one that immediately comes to mind, and this blew me away, and that was uh, MASH, which is, uh, I love the name MASH, uh, Mount Albert and Surrey Hills Rotary Club. Yes. So this goes back all oh, a number of years, probably four or five years, and they, I think, they still have a, a an annual speech competition, basically for primary school uh, children. Well, why I'm mentioning this was we had the biggest audience we've ever had when they <laughs> came on with parents and other friends out there who had the whole foyer packed. And there were three kids that sort of uh, won various level of prizes. And they were only year five. And yet they were fluent. They knew how to use a microphone, how to speak. And I just felt, what a fantastic sort of thing that uh, uh, this Rotary uh, Club Bash has done. And that sort of struck me as a, Another good sort of project. Yeah, good
0: room. news again, and that's yeah. what the show hopes to do. Yeah. We've talked about some of the, um, we've talked about some of the music selection. Uh, uh, well, it's not always Al Bowlly. We've had some great music, but uh, we've had on the show, haven't we? We've had the presidents of International Rotary. Well, that's um, the
1: other uh, terms of our guests in Rotary terms. I think the uh, two guests that immediately stand out is having live in the studio here was the current president John Germ from Chattanooga and he did uh, a wonderful interview right off the cuff uh, with Suzanne and Tom Blair uh, some of our presenters and I thought that was excellent and then about uh, seven months after that through your good self we organized for Julie Mason who was just finished being uh, district governor 9800 and uh, we had a wonderful interview with Ian Risley just as he was about to uh, head off to start his uh, training year training year Yes, yeah. yeah,
0: so rotary international president elect yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, i know we've also had some personalities in here it's not always all all rotary but uh, no, we've had right. uh, we've had doctors from the burnet institute that we've yeah. spoken to and we've had bruce matthews from the the Herald Sun, a yep. former sports journalist, and Clark Hanson, yep. an iconic uh, sports journalist, yeah, both radio and Melbourne. TV. Yep. So yes, so we've had we've had some very some really great interesting guests, yes. haven't we, in yes. here yes. to chat yes. to? Yes. Um, uh, David, we have a lot of fun presenting the program as a group of people. What opportunity are there for some Rotarians uh, or Rotaractors, which are younger Rotarians, well, we've had to, to some join?
1: Rotaractors, us. yeah. Well, always welcome. uh, How do they go about it? Well, they uh, write to myself or email, and my email address is david.proud at 3wbc.org.au. I'll do that again. david.proud, all lowercase, at 3wbc.org.au. And one of the other benefits, which I wasn't going to mention, but I, I will now, is if you're interested in community radio or radio in particular, just putting out the show and knowing how to run the panel and the dials. So if anybody's got a bit of an interest in, in radio uh, and a, uh community service type organisations, uh, give us a call, uh, send us an email and uh, we're happy to talk to you. Here's a chance to be part of
0: it. Well, David, uh, this has been quite novel, interviewing you. Uh The interviewer, actually, on the Rotary Radio Show on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. Thank you for joining us. You're actually going to play your own interview in your own show. (laughs) But thank you for joining us and giving our listeners some insight into the history of the Rotary Show and uh, giving our listeners the opportunity to join As a panellist or as a presenter, there's a lot of fun in doing so. Absolutely. And uh, as part of Rotary, you're doing good in the world. Thank you for your leadership of the, the team. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was produced and presented by Ian Salick of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. Podcasts can be found on iTunes by searching for Rotary Radio, then scrolling to Doing Good in Victoria.